0: If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. And moving on to chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Is there more to life than this? That is the question posed at the beginning of the Alpha Course. And by this, I guess they mean uh, life with uh, all its ups and its downs, life as we uh, typically experience it, perhaps even life as our uh, culture typically leads us to uh, expect to experience it, uh, as our culture leads us to, um, to understand it. It's a good question. I take it that if there is more to life than this, then we would want uh, not to miss out on that. For those uh, who are perhaps at this time uh, struggling, uh, perhaps struggling to make ends meet, or perhaps struggling in a more general way, then this might feel a particularly uh, pressing, immediate question. But it may be that during a season where life feels um, uh, pretty good, uh, life feels pretty sunny, I still think this is a question that persists. Uh, even in those seasons. I still think this is a question that often comes to mind even when life feels good. I think it is true, is it not, that there are many in our society, and we may have felt this ourselves, who would have that nagging sense, even perhaps surrounded by significant material comfort, a nagging sense that there is Or uh, there should be, or possibly just there might be uh, more to life than I'm currently experiencing it. Or to put it another way, that there might be a bigger story, a bigger reality to the one that I see day by day playing out. That might give a greater sense of meaning, a greater sense of purpose to all that I do and to all that I experience. Uh, Last week, I think it was, I read a blog, uh, which uh, posed this question. Why is it that Star Wars is such a popular and enduring movie franchise? And it is because stories have power. Stories have power, and the story that Star Wars tells has a particular power. And uh, the person who wrote uh, this piece uh, said this. Star Wars's second great distinctive is this. No other movie franchise better understands this elemental truth of the universe. There is a reality deeper than our senses can apprehend, a reality that underpins everything and impinges on everything. Star Wars has boldly gone where art has often found it hard to go, opening up our imagination to the possibility of a transcendent reality that affects daily life now. And I think that's right. Star Wars tells a popular and a powerful story, and one of the reasons for its popularity is that it resonates. And it resonates with our desire to be part of an ongoing story, something that is bigger than my three score years and ten and my immediate physicality and horizon an ongoing story, a transcendent, greater meaning-giving, death-defying reality that I can be a part of, that uh, sense that there should be more to life than the daily treadmill. Well, the question comes back to us, is there such a story? Is there a transcendent reality that can bring a greater life, although uh, not Necessarily an easier one than the one our culture so often leads us to settle for. And Jesus said, Yes, there is. As a nation, we've just celebrated the birth of Jesus. And the reason that Christians know it to be a season of joy is that we see and we hear in the birth and the life, in the deeds and the words of Jesus Christ, the offer of a connection to a transcendent life-giving reality, our creator God, and an invitation to join his great story that is playing out in our world and which we were designed to play a part in. It is, the Bible will say in a challenging way, it is a story we have Uh, deliberately disconnected ourselves from, but God in his love has sent his son Jesus to show us something of God's story for us and to enable us to reconnect to God and his story for us. But to connect to God's story, we need to disconnect from the world's story. And I think that's what John is saying in chapter 2, verse 15. And if you want to have a look at it, it's on page 1226. Do not love the world, he says, verse 15, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. He's not saying that we should, as Christians, uh, Christians are called to despise people and to despise the things of the world. Uh, Many, most of the things of the world are God-given, God-created. People, food, houses, clothing, uh, money, these are God's creation, these are God's gift, they're there to be enjoyed. He's not saying, hate everyone and everything. So what is he saying? He's saying, I think, that there are two great stories essentially, that are playing out in our world. Two great stories that you can attach yourself to, that you can define yourself by, that you can allow yourself to be shaped by. There's a story of the world, and there's a story the Father tells. And you can't love both. And by love, he means, as is often the case in the Bible, you cannot pledge your allegiance to both. Love here is the language of ultimate allegiance, where it is that we're looking for life. And John says you cannot attach yourself to both stories. Don't look for life in all its fullness in the story of the world, look for it in God's story. What is the story of the world? Well, in broad brushstrokes, I think it is, um, it is well told by the adverts, it is well told by Hollywood movies, it is well told by the bestsellers. That human flourishing is found in a a sense of individualism, expressive individualism. Uh, Life is found in being true to yourself. Uh, That materiality, that the material world is all that there is, or at least, to nuance that a little bit, all that really counts at the end of the day. Uh, So the greater the level of material uh, comfort we enjoy, or relational success, or personal success, the greater our level of life. That's what the adverts are telling us. And we live in a world, in a culture, I think that pulls constantly our eyes down to the here and now, to the what we can see, to the what we can taste, to the what we can touch. I think we see the story of the world playing out in the world's tendency to focus on self and to focus on stuff. Again, I think that's what John's saying in verse 16. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and what he does, doesn't come from the story from the Father, it comes from the story the world tells. We are so often consumed by and consumers of what we can see with our eyes, what we desire with our flesh. We pursue it because we think that's where life lies the person who um, wrote that uh, comment about Star Wars, went on to say this. He said, This, I think, is one of the hardest truths to live out consciously day by day, that there is more to life than what we can see with iris and retina. If there is a transcendent reality, I think our culture says, well, if there is a transcendent reality out there, it's pretty passive. Uh, It probably requires special techniques to sort of tap into, special knowledge maybe a particular kind of moral effort to occasionally connect with it. But Jesus tells a different story. Jesus came to pull back the curtain and to show us that there is far more to life than what can be seen with our eyes. But more than just show us that, he came to invite us into that story and to qualify us to be able to play a part in God's bigger story. And the way we become a part of God's story is by becoming a part of God's family. And that's chapter 3, did you notice? Verse 1, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Here is God's great demonstration of love, that he opens his arms of love and he offers adoption into his family and his great story. Now, John is writing to uh, Christians who have tasted the love of God that's been lavished on them. Uh, They've tasted it, by the way, not because they were special, not because they were especially good, not because they were wealthy, not because they were clever. They were very, very ordinary people. But they had tasted God's love because they had heard and embraced the offer of Jesus that John had spoken of. If you remember from uh, uh, his gospel, he writes this in the first chapter, and this, I I take it, is what he would have preached as he went round the ancient world. To all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. Uh, Again, as the writer of that uh, article on Star Wars went on to say, uh, to be in touch with the force in Star Wars, which is that great sort of transcendent reality in Star Wars, you had to be born a certain way. Uh, You had to be born with certain genes, and then you needed to be trained in a particular way. It is true, is it not, that many in our culture feel trapped by their birth uh, or their upbringing or particular circumstances in life. And the glorious news of God's story is that it is open to all, regardless of background, upbringing, birth, circumstances, whatever it might be. Here is the offer of new birth into a new family, God's family. And it is a gift that is offered to all and can be accepted by any. It's the offer, do you notice, of a new father. It's very striking, isn't it? That which binds the universe together, Jesus says, is not some passive impersonal force, but an active God of love who came to find us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not an impersonal force field that can be manipulated if you're special, but a faithful father who longs to welcome anyone into his family through faith in his son. Here then is the God who is the true transcendent reality, one who is transcendent in power but desires to be up close in person. One who is transcendent in glory, but who is supremely gracious and loving in nature. When Jesus was praying on the eve before he died, he was praying just to one side of his disciples. His disciples overheard him, and one of the things he prayed was this. And you can read this again in John's Gospel in chapter 17. Now, this is eternal life, Jesus said that they know you, Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Is there more to life? Yes, says Jesus. Life is knowing the Father through faith in the Son, being adopted into God's family and his story for you and his world. That is life. When we turn Christ. We get a new father and we get a new future. Did you notice that? Verses 2 and 3, excuse me, Uh, chapter 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. God's story extends beyond the grave Again, I think that is a common sort of sense that our culture has. I think there is a sense we were made for a life that extends beyond the grave. I was at a family funeral on uh, Friday, and uh, it was um, a a secular ceremony. Um, And I was very struck by a refrain that ran all the way through the ceremony that the deceased should live on and, and would live on in the hearts and the memories Of those who had gathered and for me it was another example of giving voice to this sense that the human person with all their experiences and all their significance should live on and the Bible says we have that sense all of us have that sense because we are made in the image of an eternal God we were made for eternity And John says, God's ongoing story for those who embrace the Lord Jesus is a wonderful one, verse 2 and 3. One of hope. It is to be raised and fully restored in God's image. In other words, it's to be the people we were originally created to be, perfect sons and daughters of the living God. And notice too, friends, that it is because being like Jesus is the Christian's future that Christians strive to be like Jesus in the present. Did you see that in verse 3? All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I hope you can see from that just how very different Christianity is from religion. Why Christianity is good news because religion says purify yourself and god might accept you live a good enough life and god might accept you but christianity turns that on its head it says through faith in jesus god freely adopts you into his family so now now you can start living as god's Children. We strive to live like Jesus not because we want to twist God's arm, but because we want to be true to our new true selves, God's children. So when the world says, be true to yourself, it resonates because there is some truth in it. There is a sense in which we're meant to be true to ourselves. The problem with the world story is, what self am I supposed to be true to? The self that has rejected God's story and been damaged by that rejection such that we're never what we should be, let alone what we could be. The self that knows itself to all too easily get too angry or to hurt the ones we love or to to have a short fuse or to whatever it might be. What self are we to be true to? The one that has been damaged by our disconnection? from God's story Christianity says "No, look. God says accept me accept my story and I will renew you my forgiveness will free you and my spirit will fill you and you will experience new life as you become increasingly true to your new true self as a child of God I will give you a new identity I will begin to give you a new nature by my spirit I will make you a son and a daughter of God, and I will begin to transform you and empower you to be true to that self, which was the self you were created to be. G.K. Chesterton, uh, that famous uh, author, uh, said this, I had always felt life as a story, and if there is a story, there is a storyteller. If you have ever thought or felt that there might be more to life than the story our culture tells, then you are right. There is a greater story being written by a greater storyteller than our culture, and he is our creator God. And he has sent his son Jesus Christ into our world to invite us to be a part of his greater story. He offers forgiveness of sin and reconnection to him and his story and thereby to give us life in all its fullness, which is what Jesus promised to all who follow him. Accepting his story for us is challenging because it is a different story to the one our culture tells. It is a story where we find ourselves displaced from the center. It is a story in which we find life, not in the acquisition of goods, but in the adoration of our Heavenly Father. Is there more to life than this? Absolutely. But to receive it, we need to turn around. We need to lay down our old way of life, the old script, if you like, that we used to read off, and embrace the Father through faith in his Son, And as we do so, we embrace him. We embrace life in all its fullness. We embrace a greater story, the story he is writing. He invites us to be a part of it. Amen.